0: This is Susanna Hill's podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Friends, we are continuing our second installment of our Planted for Splendor series, which I think really, as I've been wrestling with this uh, message, even for today as as we've been going through this in our preaching uh, meetings, it has been, it's really, I think it's like the, the most important message anybody but yeah, If there was ever a time in the life of our church, in the life of a believer, that we needed to get some of these things down, then it's now. And so i want to encourage us that you, if you've missed our previous messages, you can go to our SoundCloud or Podbean or obviously go to our website. You can get all um, the, the messages there. But I want us to be intentional and be aware of just that picture. God doesn't want us to be a little pot plant, you know, dwarfed, versions of what we could be, the potential that we hold. God wants us to be, grow into, and to flourish and to express all that He has for us. And today we're going to be speaking about we, that the fact that we are planted for splendor for the reason, the reason why we're planted for splendor is so that you and I can experience a shared mission. Last week we looked at the fact that we've been given a shared mission Vision as a church, as a community, as believers, this is what we're supposed to be looking, the picture of a preferred future, that's what we should be contending for. Today we're speaking about a shared mission. Now, when I say the word mission, I'm pretty sure for many of you guys are going, yeah, that's, that's that guy that goes down up into Africa, you know? Or if you're talking missions or outreach, is on? and that's the thing that Ronke and the team do. Or it's that missionary guy that, you know, comes from time to time, his clothes are all tatted and asking us a belief. Please, you know, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. But actually, friends, you and I need to understand that, yes, even though that is an expression of that, but for us as a church, if you and I are Christians, followers of Jesus, and I'm trusting as I'm going to be sharing with us this morning, that you and I would see that God wants to include us in His mission. Now, I just love this this concept or idea that God is a missional God. God is a missionary God, okay? This quote by David Bosch, he's a South African missiologist, he says, Mission is not primarily an activity of the church, i.e. something that we do, but an attribute of God. For God is a missionary God. We don't just do missions because, oh, well, that's what the church does. No, because we serve a God that is on mission, a God that reaches out, a God that wants to bring in those who are far and lost and lonely and separated, that's not planted for splendor, those people who are withered, who are not experiencing life. Because God wants that to happen and and express that and wants to bring people in, we as His people begin to express that as well. Another way it was put once by a German theologian, Jürgen Moltmann, he says the following. It is not the church that has a mission of salvation to fulfill to the world. It is the mission of the Son and the Spirit through the Father that includes the church, creating a church as it goes on its way. See this picture. God is on a mission. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are at work wanting to reach, wanting to win for himself a people. And he says, us as the church, we get to come alongside him in the mission that God has for us. And I I just love, I mean, my aunt and I, we we, um, talk often just around marriage. And one of her things that she would say around the reality of submission is that I come alongside. I come under someone else's mission. So as a husband and wife, if, if the wife is called to submit with the husband, the husband should be on a mission with his family and the wife and the kids, everybody come together. As a church, we are called by God to submit to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We come alongside with the mission that God is expressing. Now, there are three kind of levels or aspects of mission that I want to speak about today. The first one is the fact that God is the God of mission. and We're going to have a look at a, a few passages of scripture around that. The second is that God has given the church a mission okay, that we can express, and that's the kind of the, the big C church, the bigger church expression, followers of Christ, the body of Christ, that we've been given a mission, but then there's also then a personal, you and I, if you're breathing air at the moment, God has given you a part in the mission that he wants to fulfill, and all of us can express that and should come to know that as well, and so we see that God is ascending, Going, God. He comes to Abraham. He meets him there. You know, Abraham a stargazer. He's worshiping all sorts of you know other things, and God speaks to him and says to him, "Listen, leave where you are, and I'm going to take you to a land that you do not know, but your descendants are going to be blessed, and through you, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed." So God's mission begins to unfold because God chooses a man. From whom he would make a people, through whom those, that people, he would bring his Messiah, Christ, so that ultimately all of the world, you and I, last time I checked, I don't see a lot of Jewish looking people here. As Gentiles, all nations, every tribe, every tongue, all of us are included because God went on a mission. And we see this as we looked at last week, just this key passage, and this is the passage for us for the series as well, is Isaiah 61. And Jesus speaks of himself. This is who Jesus is. He once again reminds us in verse 1, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me. God is a sending God. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, and to release from darkness the prisoners. Friends, that's God's heart. And if you continue to read that passage in Isaiah, we see that we become oaks of righteousness for His glory. God exchanges with us. Later on, it says that foreigners would be, come and tend your vineyards. They'll build your cities. It means that God wants every person to come to know Him. And so God is a missional God. And that's, I think, the best place to start. And as we're going to see, I'm, gonna, I'm trusting that the belly will drop for us. Because I, I, I had a message prepped. And I had to wrestle through some stuff. And then last night we had an elders meeting and we were just talking through something of this reality. What has God called us to as a church? And what should we in this season be looking to? And Albie, who's one of our elders in, in Poch, he mentioned this passage in Ephesians. And as he said it, I thought, now I've got to go wrestle. And as I opened it up, I was like, man, okay, changed my everything. Everything's changed. <laughs> so if some things come, don't come out quite as smooth, it's because I was wrapping it all up this morning. Trying to just wrap my head around lo- lo- the bigness of the mission of God. And so if God is on a mission, then he chooses to call us as his church into that mission. And I mean, yes, you, we all know the passage. What's the, what's the great co-mission? Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, it says the following, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed them. Hey, wow, hey, they listened. Jesus said, meet me there. So they go there. So maybe a cue for us to, to take, you know, start off there. If you want to know where, how to find the mission, meet, meet Jesus where, where, he's, where he tells you to be, okay? When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus in verse 18 says, and Jesus came And spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus adds the amen. It's like, let it be so. Let this thing of this commission, this, this mission that God wants to fulfill, that God includes us in, let it come to pass, Lord, even as we live. Now, the definition of a, of, of a commission, I, 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 sometimes I'm, I mean, my kids, they they homeschooling and they're learning Latin and, and, you know, it's adverbs and pronouns and, and Afrikaans versions of that, and I'm like, I'm sitting at the table and I like, I don't know what those things are, I don't have a clue. And they're looking at me like, Daddy, how did you not, how can you not do, know that? So then I just use the line my, my mom used with us whenever I needed help in standard one with my math or whatever. My mom would just say, I've already done standard one. I don't have to do it again. It's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a bit slow, I have to go to Google. What's the definition of a, the, of a commission? The definition of a commission is, is an instruction, command, or role given to a person. Or group. Another way of saying it is a group of people entrusted by a government or other official body with authority to do nothing. No, to do something. We have been commissioned by Jesus to say, I have a mission. I want you to co come with me on this mission. And as the church, we can so easily get so caught up and absorbed in. All the little activities that we do, and my comfort, and my convenience, and, and what, what suits me, and, and, and the resources I have or I don't have, the time I have or that I don't have, the experiences or the knowledge, I, but there's so many ways that we could abdicate this mission that God has called us on. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you are my disciple, i.e. if you're a follower of Christ, Jesus is the Lord of your life then this is what you and I should be giving ourselves to. What is that mission? Is it, is it salvation? Is it the gospel? Is it the church? Is it community? Is that the mission? Is the mission the kingdom of God? Is the mission the poor? Is the mission the fact that we want to we wanna be involved in, in social realities? It's all of those things, but that's not the, those are not the primary th- reasons why Jesus came the mission for us friends is that we would make disciples of Jesus that is the mission now there are many ways in which we accomplish the mission but the actual mission is christ likeness fully devoted followers of Jesus and i've i've been in church i've you know sometimes i feel like just because i've lived here now like kind of all my life i should be a christian And this stuff should get in me. But I I still don't do all the things that Jesus has commanded me to do. And so you and I, just like I said last week, we can, uh, the soil of our hearts, the flourishing and the growing of of this, we can the planting for the display of His splendor can be hampered when we don't adjust the condition of our hearts. And so you and I can very easily lose sight of, of thinking. So the mission is, The nations, or the mission is serving, or giving, or getting involved, or whatever. That's not the true aspect of the, the mission. The mission is becoming like Jesus. That is the mission, friends. And if we are to ask ourselves, why do I have a light group? Why do I serve? Why do I spend time in prayer with my family? Why do I do any of these things? Ultimately, the measuring stick that I want to use is, am I becoming more like Jesus? Remember last week, I spoke to us about those markers for spiritual growth. God wants us to expand some of those markers. All of my Bible reading, all of my prayer, all of my worship, all of my community, all of my serving, all of my involvement and outreach, all of those things should be aimed at the one outcome. Which is, is it making me more like Jesus? Not, is it making me more knowledgeable? Is it making me, you know, more confident or convenient? No, is it making me more like Jesus? And that's the ambition that we have. And so I told you about this passage of scripture that I'll be shared at our meeting last night. That just jumped out at me. And so I would love for us to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verse 3 to 14. Now I know it's a bit of a longer passage, but we have to see the full picture in order for us to really grasp what I believe the Lord is wanting to reveal to us today. Now it starts off, it says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Let me just go over here to my Bible so you can see, paper Bible, if you're watching, I've got it. of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory now friends if we look at this passage i know it's a longer a longer one but the first thing i want us to notice is how many times do we see the words he him his in christ god's how many times are those those realities there lots of times just the him his And in Christ, I counted like 23 times. Which should give us a clue as to who's the subject matter here. Who is the object of our devotion? Because yes, we can read the passage and say, yes, I've been predestined. Every blessing is mine. I've got all of these things that God's blessed me with. I'm adopted as his son, which is all true, friends. But the reason why all of those things happen is because of him. It's about Christ being formed, Christ being revealed, Christ being glorified. And the, the passage that I'll be shared that just jumped out at me was this verse uh, 10. It says, to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth, under whom? Under Christ. All of God's will. All of God's purpose, all of God's mission is that every one of us, in every way, everyone would come under the Lordship and the governance and the power and the glory of Christ. That is the mission that we have been given. And if you and I could just grasp this very real truth, our lives would look very, very different our church would look very, very different. Because what I'm calling people to is, I'm not calling them to, hey, give your life to Jesus, and your life is going to be better. Or, hey, come into community because, you know, you'll find some support, and people will love and care for you. Or, hey, if you're part of of the church, you know, you can express some of your gifts. No, actually, those things are outflow, a benefit of us actually saying, I'm coming under the Lordship of Christ. And friends, I'm... I'm overwhelmed in the thought that if I look at my own heart, I'm not enamored by Christ enough. I'm not absorbed and so consumed by who he is and bringing him glory. Because I'm so busy often just with the peripherally, the busyness, the activities. And I think I'm on mission. But I'm actually, my mission is about knowing him. It's about expressing him. It's about enjoying him together now many of us last week I spoke about the reality that we would all would want to know what God's will is for our lives you know and I mentioned to us about Romans 12 God's good pleasing and perfect will Uh, God's perfect will is expressed and and discovered as it says in in, in Romans chapter 12 is actually discovered when I give myself faithfully to the good and the pleasing will of God so if you want to walk in God's perfect will for your life then we should do what we see here in this passage. Because so many times it speaks about the will of God. God's perfect will is that God, Christ would be Everything would come under unity of Christ. But what pleases Him is when we express and get alongside with Him in this mission. We are focusing on, on, on expressing that. Now I want to just unpack a few aspects of this passage which helps us to see if you and I are disciples of Christ. In other words, Followers of Jesus, who then make followers of Jesus. Remember, we're not adding people to a church. We're not adding people to a light group. We're adding people to Christ and His body and their relationship with Him. The first aspects, if we see in the the first few verses, it speaks about the fact that you and I have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. God has endowed with us, unto us, everything we need to get the job done. Just like Mark shared with us this morning around David. He just had his little bit. But God comes and he does a miracle. He multiplies. He takes what is inadequate in the world's eyes and even in our own eyes. And he accomplishes far more than what we could ever imagine. We also see that Paul encourages us to walk blamelessly and holy, Which means, friends, we need to find ourselves in a place where We are constantly making adjustments. James says we look at the word as a a mirror so that we can come to know the fullness of who God is. We make adjustments. It also says in James that we should confess our sins one to another. That's what disciples do because we want to be holy and blameless before God. Also speaks about us being adopted as sons and daughters of God. Christ has died for us so that you and I would be able to become a part of God's family. And that family is not something that's just going to be expressed and experienced one day in the by and by when I get to heaven. God wants us to experience and express that even today. And therefore, we're bringing people into that. That's part of our mission. But we also see that he speaks about the fact that we received forgiveness through through the redemption of Jesus' blood. And today, perhaps you're far from God. And you have been trying in your own strength to overcome some of those struggles. There we go. Some of us are trying to overcome some of those realities. And and you haven't put your faith in Jesus. You haven't experienced and really received forgiveness for sins. And today... I believe God wants you to take a step of saying, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Therefore, I'm living no longer for myself, but I'm living for him. Because when I make that decision on a daily basis, friends, every single day, I've got to make that decision. I've been making that decision for 25 plus years, looking to Jesus over and over, saying, Lord, I'm not like you. I need to die to myself. I need to receive your forgiveness. I need to extend what you've given me. God wants you and I to experience that. But God also wants us to see and experience the mystery of his will. He, he has made his minister, this mystery made known to us. It's amazing that Jesus has said, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in the New Testament speaks about that, that the ma- manifold wisdom of God would be revealed through whom? Through the church. The mission, the church of God on mission with God, remember God coming He's moving. We come alongside him in his mission. As we are expressing that, God's manifold wisdom is being made known yeah. to the world. We become like that oak of righteousness planted for the display of his splendor. Because people look at our lives and say, these guys, it does not make sense. But the God they serve is alive. These people love God unconditionally. They yield themselves to him. We see that in in verse 9 to 10. It says, he made known to us the mystery of his will. You want to know what God's will is? According to his good pleasure, the pleasing will of God, which is purposed in Christ to do what? Like I said, to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. God wants us to be united with him. And there's a a world out there today, the people that you meet in your workplace, in your family, people you pass by, those people that we go to when we go to Botswana for an outreach, or we go to Tosca and Bray, or we go to Lesotho, we go just down the road. Every time, everywhere you and I go, we are God's kingdom agents. We've been commissioned by a higher authority, saying that we've got a job to do, and that job is to bring people into relationship with Jesus. And God wants you and I to express that. And I want you to understand that God has chosen you. If you didn't know that, this passage just said it to us. Verse 11, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan. God's plan for your life and my life is that we are chosen. And so that we, um, a plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. Friends, God has chosen you. And he's not, I know some of you are saying, but Gareth, I've never had that sort of vision of saying, God sending me into the nations. I've never had that desire to, to quit my job and go, you know, go be, be somewhere far away, go some, somewhere far away, and therefore it feels like my relationship with God is less than. No, friends. When you and I yield ourselves every single day, it's no different to the person who expresses their call in that way of giving up their lives. And I I want us to, to begin to have a higher view of God's mission. Because when we see that it's about relationship with Jesus, it's about bringing people under the unity of Christ. Now, Today is Pentecost Sunday, which is the commemoration of the Holy Spirit being poured out. It's 50 days after Easter. In the Old Testament, this was, the day of Pentecost was the day when the law was given to the people of Israel. In a sense, their identity was sealed. They became the people of God because God said, you are my people and this is how I want you to live. And if you live like this, all the nations of the world are going to look to you and say, look how blessed you are. And so, for us as New Testament believers, God on the day of Pentecost pours out his spirit upon us. And he says, From this day forward, my spirit's going to live inside of you, and you're going to live like nobody else lives. You're going to express my kingdom. You're going to advance my purposes on the earth like no, no, no one else before. And all the nations of the world are going to look to you and say, You're blessed. And that's why when Paul writes to us in verse 13 to 14, he says, and so we were included in Christ. We were united with Christ. We have been made one with him. When we heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, when you put your faith in Jesus, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession To the praise of his glory. There's that phrase again for the display of his splendor for the display of his splendor and So friends this reality of the Holy Spirit being given to us as a deposit as a guarantee That seal that they speak of the picture is 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 almost like a a Engagement ring that someone receives What does that ring say? To everybody, every, every eligible bachelor. When a bachelorette now actually receives an engagement, and she no longer is a bachelorette, but now she's actually an engaged lady. Tells everybody she's spoken to for. Hands off, boys. You and I have received the promise, the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. So when people look at us, we live differently. It says through everyone around us, we are spoken for. Which means, friends, we need to embrace the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to embrace and say, Lord, let me be, let me live like that. Can you imagine a lady that's engaged? You know, and then she's like, oh, no, just, I'll keep it in my pocket. I'm sure the, the groom's like, Hey. That cost me a lot of money, eh? A couple of months' salary I had to save up I had to figure that out. God doesn't want us to hide it. He wants it to be put on display. And that's why we have been given the Holy Spirit, so that we can do what? We see this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Why did Jesus send His Holy Spirit? He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends and Samaria and to the ends of the earth friends when the day of pentecost came we see the holy spirit being poured out upon these men and women these disciples of jesus who had pitched up where they needed to be so many believers are like i'm looking for god's will but they never find themselves in the room they never in the room oh can god just speak to me can i have an encounter can i get a prophetic word but they've just never planted They're never experiencing that. And so many times, I've just been like, I've heard God speak to me because I was in the room. And so the, the disciples get together, upper room, praying together. Hiding away, actually. And then, like a sound of a rushing wind, the Holy Spirit comes in. Tongues of fire separate. And they begin to proclaim with boldness this gospel. This mission... Begins to be taken from a little group of friends, hiding away in a room, spreads out into all of the earth, and you and I today are beneficiaries of that, which says to me, friends, we need the Holy Spirit to accomplish this mission that God's called us to. If we want to see Christ formed in us, I need the Holy Spirit to to do that because I can't do it in my own strength. If I want to reach out to someone and share the gospel with them and encourage them or feed them or care for them or support them or encourage them in any way, I need the Holy Spirit every single moment of the day. And I'm trusting that this morning we would experience that and we would embrace it. But I love what happens on the, 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 the day of Pentecost with, with the disciples. In, uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 37 to 39, Peter had just now gotten up. You know, they're like, oh, these people are drunk. He's gotten up, he's preached the gospel to them, and he says the following, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Friends, our lives and our witness should lead people to asking this question, what should I do? What should I do? And Peter's instruction is very simple, repent, be baptized, All of you, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, multigenerational, and all who are far off, every nation, every tribe and tongue, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And friends, today, that's God's invitation to us. If you are far from God and you want to come into, you're asking, what must I do? Put your faith in Jesus. Repent from your sin. Be baptized in water. It's there. It's available. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come into connection. Come into community. Join a light group. Serve. Enjoy what God has. That's just what we do. Because God wants us to be planted for splendor. We also then, friends, if we've been walking with God, we need to receive the Holy Spirit. We have to be Empowered by Him to get this mission done, and I need empowering by the Holy Spirit every single day. And I'm going to pray for us in a moment that we would receive that as well. But we would also thirdly be, we would become witnesses. Many of us are are have been commissioned by a king, but we are undercover agents, never to be revealed. Because what are they going to say? What are they going to think? And God just says, no, by my Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you the words to say. For these disciples, the people thought they were drunk. Hey, guys, 9 o'clock in the morning. You guys are drunk. What's happening? You guys are out of your mind. What do you mean you serve? What do you mean you go to church on Sundays? What do you mean you're in a, in a community? What do you mean you go to the ends of the earth? You sacrifice. You spend time and you pray. You worship. You're expanding your markers in your spiritual life. What do you mean you do those things? That's crazy. But I have to do it because I have a king that I love. And I want to make him known to everyone around me. Friends, you and I need to make disciples. And as a church, there's many platforms. And I shared a little bit of that last week. But remember what we do? What do we do? We gather, we grow, and we go we gather, we grow, and we go. We gather, which is our celebrations and life groups. We get together as often as we can. We gather together. We grow together in community. In other words, we know one another's names. We know what God's doing. We're serving together. We're on mission together. We go. We share what God has given us. And so I want to ask us just to close our eyes. And if you're here today, And you know, just as I've been sharing, that you have not repented. And you have not been baptized. You've not said, Jesus, I need you to be the Lord of my life. Today I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision. That decision is going to come at a price. So I want you to understand what you're signing up for. God is wanting to enlist you in his army. And you can volunteer. But once a soldier has volunteered and enlisted... He no longer his life is no longer his own he is at the whim and the will of his commanding officer and today I want to encourage you and invite you I know that feels like a costly 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 decision and it is because it costs us our lives but it cost Jesus his life that we would be able to have his presence we'd be able to express that enjoy him and also be on mission with him And so if that is you this morning, everyone's eyes are closed and I just want to give you an opportunity to respond by raising your hand because I'd love to pray with you. If that's you this morning, you need to put your faith in Jesus and you have not done so, can I ask you to raise your hand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for those hands going up. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. For those of you that have raised your hands, thank you so much for the bold step. I want to encourage you. Thank you. I want to ask you, if you've raised your hand, to please pray this prayer with me. Now, this prayer does not make you any better than anybody else. It also doesn't necessarily mean that, okay, I'm I'm in now. But it is a way in which you and I can say, from this day forward, my life is not my own. And there is a, a path to walk out, and we want to encourage you to to walk it out with us. Let's pray with these wonderful people. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me today. I give up my life and I take on your life. Help me to become more like you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. I turn from my wicked ways. And I now follow you with my whole life and my whole heart. Empower me, Holy Spirit, that I may walk out this life that you are calling me into. I love you, Lord. And I thank you. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.